Atlanta, Georgia. It's a Zap Ballinger show where we help you find your direction through passion and purpose. My name is Zap Ballinger. I'm your host. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. We got a good guest. Two ways you can interact with the show. We are streaming live via YouTube. If you have any questions for me and my guests, please enter those into the comment box. We'll make sure to get to them. You guys can always email me from the career library, Zach at ZachBallinger.com. We will ask those questions via email as we get them. Um, during the show, if you have questions, make sure to put those into the comment box. Art, thank you so much for joining the show today. Thanks for having me, Zach. Great to be here. So um, you're a former media executive, so I kind of want to focus on that. This will be our career library episode for people that are interested. Can you tell me a little bit about that career and your experience in it? Yeah, sure. I, I came out of graduate school wanting to work in the television business. Previously, I had been an economist in Washington, D.C., working on econometric modeling and working with the Department of Energy and the EPA. So this was a big switch. I went to business school with the intention of getting into the media business. When I came out, I really wanted to work at a comedy network because I'd been thinking about how much I loved comedy for my entire life since the time I was a kid. But there was no comedy network. So instead, I went to work at CBS, which was about as far from a comedy network as you can get. It was like working for the post office at that time because there were just, you know, there were three networks and uh, it was kind of a polite competition to see who would be first, second or third. But everybody was making a billion dollars. So nobody was working too hard. And there were lots of layers of management. It really wasn't the television industry experience I wanted to. I wanted to see. So a friend of mine called me up and said, hey, I'm over here at HBO. It's fabulous. He said, this place, they walked down the halls high five and saying, we're going we're gonna to change television. And this was the mid 80s. So they were going to change television. Uh, and he said, they're looking for somebody who knows how to do econometric modeling. And you're the only guy in the business I can think of. So I went over and I got the job. Wow. And so what does, so like a media executive, like explain the role, because a lot of people might be out there, well, what does that even mean? So can you kind of shine a light on that? Well, by media, in this case, I'm specifically talking about television, but, you know, media encompasses radio and at this point, internet, digital, all kinds of things. Uh, and what they all have in common is content. It's programming. It's really about ultimately storytelling and media executives or people who work in media are trying, are working very hard to put those stories, whether they're real stories, documentary news or made up stories, fiction, drama, comedy out to the public as entertainment or information. And so there are a million different roles in the media business. When I say I was a media executive, I was really, I started on the business side. I ended up straddling business and creative, meaning I was in, involved with content creation, producing, programming. Uh, and at one point I was president of Court TV, which was, you know, the whole enchilada. So not only did I have programming, marketing, uh, and and all and finance and HR and all those things reporting to me. I had to worry about what was going on the air and the news. So it's you know it's a it's a great industry. It's lots of fun, and I recommend it to everybody. 
That's so neat. Now, did you have your hand in on any, did you like create content for sitcoms or was it, did you give CBS this comedy angle? Did you introduce them into any ideas while you were there? No, let me talk to you about, about the comedy part. CBS, the idea I introduced to CBS was um, that I suggested that the financial report I was working on was being read by nobody and was taking me 10 hours a week to produce. And why don't I do something else? That didn't go over so big. That was the only idea I could even try for. When I got to HBO, it was a much smaller organization. And I had had this idea, as I mentioned before, for a comedy network for years, basically. And I'd been thinking about what it would be like. So I went in and I pitched. I'd been there about a year and a half. I went in and I pitched the head of programming, my idea. And I said, Bridget, that was her name. I said, I think HBO should really do an all comedy channel. And she said, stop right there. That's the worst idea I've ever heard. She said, no comedian's going to want to be on it. Nobody wants 24 hours a day of comedy. Nobody's going to watch it. Why would HBO risk its reputation? I mean, she was not really enthusiastic. She told me I didn't know that much about television, sent me packing. I knew she was wrong though. As I walked back to the elevator and um, I just kept working on it. Finally, Somebody, somebody discovered me working on it, and we got, we got that to the chairman of HBO, and uh, and he said, "Yeah, let's give it a try." So awesome! Such a neat story because um, I even remember as a kid, teenager, there was the Deaf Comedy Jam on HBO. Um, a lot of those shows are still out there, and even on Netflix now, comedians are are get, still as just as big as they were before. And everybody likes to laugh. So, I, and I think the entry to barrier is different now. You know, we can have YouTube platforms. We've got virtual connections. Anybody can talk, start a talk show today or a comedy show, really, through these type platforms. So, um, it was pretty neat that you were thinking about that that many years ago before all this technology advancement. Yeah, so. and in those days, you couldn't put a television channel or a talk show out of your garage the way you can now. In those days, it cost millions and millions of dollars to start a channel. And that's one of the reasons nobody had started a comedy network up to that point. Uh, I, I think also they shared Bridget's point of view that it wasn't such a great idea. But I thought it was a great idea because I thought comedy was a worthwhile undertaking. And inst interestingly, the comedians were so thrilled that we had thrown them a network, you know, that they started coming on. The they wanted to be on the channel. So very interesting. And during your time of doing that in media, what drove you? What was your passion? I know you mentioned, obviously, the com comedic side, but what did you love about it? I loved the fact that it required me to really think make use of every skill, every talent, every piece of education I ever had. I mean, the media business is multidisciplinary, as you can imagine. I mean, it's about content creation. So there's that very creative side. It's about engineering. It's about um, business. It's about all the things that any business involve, finance, making, making money, financing the business. And it's about people, ultimately. I, I found I loved the management side of it. I loved having a lot of people reporting. Well, it started out as a few people reporting to me. But I loved, ultimately, having people report to me and, and 
seeing how much could get done through good management, good organization, and really nurturing the people working you're working for with and for. Awesome. Now, if somebody's out there and they're in college and maybe they've thought about trying to get into media, obviously, you know, the, the opportunities are limited. What advice would you give them to break through to get into the industry? My advice is pretty simple and it's based on my experience. You've got to use anything and everything you've got. I mean, if you want to be talent in the industry, meaning you want to be a, a comic, you want to be an actor, you want to be a writer, that's a whole different kettle of fish. I mean, you got to follow that pretty directly. But if you want to be somewhere in the entertainment industry, an executive, work the business side, um, then what you have to do is you really have to start at the bottom and you have to take any job that you can possibly get. And, and I'll say this, you know, I mentioned writer, even writers start at the bottom. Writers go into uh, work as writer's assistants before they actually get to write on sitcoms or movies or anything else. So you really have to start at a very, very low level. When I came out of college, I'm sorry, business school, I had been working as an economist. My salary got cut in half when I went into the media business. And I remember my father saying, what the heck are you doing? You know, what's, what's the idea? You just spent two years and lots of money on, on your business education. I said, you know, dad, this is the business where you have to start at the bottom. And a lot of people want to go into it. So you're going to make less money for a while. But that's the advice I would give. I love it. It's actually one of my chapters in my book is um, in Don't Be a Zombie, How to Find a Career You Love is entry-level jobs. Is there an entry-level job you can take now that would eventually get to your greater passion and greater mission? Uh, I talk about um, a young lady who wanted to work at Walt Disney World as a character she couldn't penetrate that. Obviously, there's only one character that she was trying to get. And um, she started off as a, one of the custodial services, as a janitor, and then in the concession stand, worked her way up, and is actually in uh, as a fictional character now. So, um, like you said, sometimes it's sacrifices that you have to take an entry-level position to get to your greater, greater vision. So, appreciate you sharing that. Go ahead. And, Zach, you know, I want to emphasize something else about that. Um it's also important to get as close as you possibly can to what you wanted to do. And the example you used about that woman, she wanted to be a, a character at Disney World. She went to work at Disney World. I mean, that was the key. She didn't go to work at another place where she might have gotten a character job faster. She didn't go. Uh, she, she went as close as she could possibly get to what she wanted to do. And that was what I did. I went to HBO. I was, they hired me to do subscriber forecasting, which believe me was about the last thing I felt like doing at that point. But I took the job, did his best, did the best I could, thought that if I did a good job, people would notice me in the company and I'd at least, you know, I'd have a shot at getting over to what I wanted to do. And that's how it works. Yeah. And you don't go into that role and you half rear it, if you will. In other words, or half asset. You know, you don't go into entry level job, not put your full commitment, your hard work, your time into it. Because some I've seen that happen too, where somebody goes to the entry level world, they goof off, they don't treat it that serious. Then get what you're not looked at for that next job. So it's very important that you start off really consistent with that work ethic. That hey, I'm going to go in and do the best job I can in this particular position. Well, I, I would say that that's the case for that particular position and any position you have. Don't phone it in. It's just not going to do you any good. 
if you do the best job you possibly can, because that's going to stand you in good stead forever. Agreed. Thank you so much. Now, what was some of the um, challenges? You know, people think of a media, you know, media executive. They're like, wow, that's an awesome job. HBO, CBS, this guy's so cool. Like, but there's got to be challenges in every career, difficulties. What are some of them that people should know? Well, the media business is a particularly rough and tumble business, I have to say. You know, I wrote in my book about it. Uh, and and the comments that came back, I wrote my story about starting Comedy Central. And people said, you know, I, I, they were surprised at how many people got fired all the time. And that is part of the media business. I mean, people get fired in every industry. They don't always get fired because they're doing a bad job. They get fired sometimes because of mergers, circumstances, and everything else. But in the media world, it's a particular hazard, and everybody everybody ends up going through it at least once or twice because that's the way it is. I think another thing to consider about the media business is that it is, it is, you know, it involves creative and business at the same time. And sometimes that does this, you know, sometimes the creative doesn't overwhelm or doesn't get to the point where it's making enough money to continue and that's you know that's as disappointing as anything when when they shut down a show or they shut down a channel or they shut down an idea because they say it's not financially viable um so uh, on top of that you're working with talent and talent is and can be temperamental and i i say that having worked with all kinds of talent great people people who are real pains in the neck the pains in the neck and the great people alike, they're the people who put themselves out in front. And I was, I was told that early on. They're the guys who get shoved out on stage and have to make everybody look good. And that's why <laughs> they're allowed to be more temperamental than me, for example. Um, but those are, those are some of the things you, you run across. Common question I get for somebody that wants to go into media. They asked me, what major would you major in if you were starting out as a freshman in college? Do you have any, do you have to major in a certain, like, we need to go into broadcasting, you need to go into public relations? What, what advice would you be give to college students that have a media role that they want to get to eventually? Well, I think that if you have the opportunity to learn about media in any way, meaning you can take a media course or media courses. You can take broadcasting courses. I took film courses. I took a lot of film courses, which is, you know, more about the art than the, than the business side of it. If you want to be in news, broadcasting and, and, and media courses are, are probably as important. Journalism courses are probably important if you want to be in the news end of the things. Uh, and similarly with documentaries. So I think it's, it's about thinking about which area in the business you want to go into and seeing if you can pick up some courses in that. Now, that's different from majoring. I, I worked with people in the business who majored in all kinds of things, I have to say. And it is multidisciplinary. And so just because somebody's walking in there with a great broadcasting degree from somewhere doesn't mean they're going to be better at it or even ahead of the game in an interview from somebody who's got a great English lit background and is a, can write and can communicate and you know, has some understanding of how the world works. Great example. Now, um, let's take, you're a young man, so we'll 
hop in a time machine and we're going to take you back to when you were in second, third, fourth grade. Did you have a dream career that you always dreamed about doing? I wanted to be a scientist. Interesting. And then you wanted to be in just a research or. Well, science, you know, when you're in second grade, science is kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, that's pretty much the category for <laughs> occupation. I didn't have it down to like neurochemist or something like that. But um, I had a, uh, my parents friend was a, a chemist. And so that was kind of one data point for me. I thought what he did, whatever it was, must have been pretty cool. He worked in a laboratory. He got to mix chemicals up. And I bought myself some chemistry sets and blew some things up in, in the first few years of, of grade school. I, I just thought that scientists were real smart, and I wanted to be real smart. Awesome. Now, when you, you talked earlier, when you first started your career, you're more on the economic side of, you know, how did you, how did you transition from that to media? Like, how did you make that jump? Well, as I said, simply, I went back to business school. I just stopped doing economics and I stopped not because I didn't like it. People always say, Hey, so uh, you must've hated economics. I loved economics. I loved working on those problems. I loved working with smart people. Um, and it really gave me an opportunity to learn how to communicate. I cannot emphasize that enough for people going into business. You have to be able to express yourself, stand up in front of a room or a Zoom, and, and communicate to people all the time. Okay, so that was, that was the training I had there. I went back to business school basically to change, you know, to start over. Um, can you tell me what role, you know, obviously you've had the successful career over your life. Tell me what role networking played. Well, I think I, I, I gave the classic example when my friend called me from HBO uh, and he was, he was someone who had worked at CBS with me and then went to HBO. But in those days I made sure that I was in touch with, you know, everybody I ran across. And it was, it was not difficult for me because I liked having a good time and we were young and we were hanging out together and everything else. But the idea that, again, I kept in touch with people who left CBS and went other places, especially as I was starting to look for other jobs outside of CBS, um, was very important. When I left comedy, Comedy Central, I was I, I, let, I was fired, by the way. That was the first time and only time in my career I was fired from a channel I helped create, uh, which was a pretty interesting moment for me. But I was almost immediately, I got a job as a consultant at another channel. And the way that came about is somebody at Comedy Central, one of the executives, who was my coworker, called a friend of his at A&E and said, hey, Art Bell just got you know released here. You got to pick him up give them something to do. You'll probably, you know, you'll probably get a lot out of it. And they called me and I, I got a consulting gig right away. That stuff is, you know, you can't buy it. You can't buy it. Yep. And I agree with you. And that's what, uh, the reason I asked that question is because I definitely put an emphasis on, uh, people networking and now LinkedIn has made that a lot easier to be able to organize your whole Rolodex right on a right. professional channel. 
Right. And, so, and, and in, the, in those days, we actually had Rolodexes. <laughs> yeah, I those say Rolodex. Obviously, I, I have one. I know. And probably nobody knows what I'm talking about. But basically, yeah. it's like business cards or things we wrote down. And, and, and we kept these. You would click A through Z. And, you know, somebody's last name was B or Bell. You would go to the B's and look at their business card. And then uh, see what their numbers were. And there was no email addresses either. So it was simply just a phone call. But to emphasize, the best, some of the most successful people in business I've ever seen had the most gigantic Rolodexes, virtual or real. I had a boss who used to sit down and write handwritten letters, notes to people to keep in touch. And man, he knew everybody in the business. It was like it got to be a joke. He'd go, he'd walk down the street and people would say hello to him. That's what you have to do. Yeah. It's so rare these days. I even encourage my, my audience to write handwritten thank you letters. And then then, then the reason I get a lot of rebuff, they say my handwriting's terrible. I'm like, you haven't met terrible till you see my handwriting. And you know, (laughs) it's not, you're not writing war and peace. You're writing a three or four or five sentences. It's really the note in the mail that gets that the attention where just not many people do it anymore, quite yep. frankly. Yep. Um, where can people find, well, you know, obviously now you got your encore career. You talked about your book. Give us a little bit more background on that. Where can people find you on social media? Anything you'd like to, to mention? Okay, sure. My book is called Constant Comedy, How I Started Comedy Central and Lost My Sense of Humor. It is a memoir. So it's a book that talks about my experience going through this whole thing. And it's, it, it, if you want to look inside the media business, it, it's a good way to do it is by reading my book. Plus you'll get a couple of laughs along the way. And maybe you'll cry a little bit too at the end, but I did. Um, so I would recommend that you can find that on Amazon or in bookstores. As far as learning more about me, artbellwriter.com is my, uh, is my website. I've got some other things I've written. i I started writing a few years ago and found I really loved it. That's how I ended up writing the book. And um, I'm continuing to write. In addition, it is the 30th anniversary of Comedy Central in April. And a friend of mine who's in the book uh, named Vinny Favalli, who had a great career in the business. He ended up being a development exec at CBS. Um, his name is Vinny Favalli. We are doing a podcast, a 12-episode podcast series, where we are talking to some people from back in the original early days of Comedy Channel, Comedy Central. Um, and just today, we interviewed uh, Gail Berman, who went on. That was her first job in television. She went on to be the head of Paramount Pictures, the head of Fox Television. I mean, she had the most spectacular career. She produced Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. I mean, the people that came out of that first round in Comedy Channel, you can't believe what they did. So we are talking to them. Our podcast launches April 1st. It's called the Constant Comedy Podcast. And uh, watch for it. 
Wow. Thank you so much. We'll make sure to link in your website on our YouTube video too, as well. Sounds like a pretty neat thing as well uh, for anybody out there listening. If they want to check in with that, make sure you, you tune into the podcast as well as arts books. We did actually have one question that came in. I wanted to ask it for you. Um, the question comes in that um, I majored in journalism in college. I am trying to find a media, uh, job in news for my local television network, I've been unsuccessful to be able to get one of those. What's something that you would recommend me do? I think you hit on hit on that a little bit earlier, but if you had any other ideas or maybe I missed it, you can. Let okay. Us know. So it sounds like you want to be in news in television. Yeah. They want to be anchor. Yeah. Okay. So how about going to radio first? How about starting on uh, any local newspaper, magazine, anything where you can write and, you know, really hone your chops as a news person anywhere before you say, okay, I want to be an anchor on that, on that station. So you can walk in later to that station with a little more experience. Number one, number two, if you did get a job in radio and believe me, you can get a job in radio cleaning up as Zach said, and I don't mean any disrespect, but you find a job there, suddenly, you know, you're hanging around with people in the media business who say, yeah, you know, a friend of mine is over there at that television station. Let me give them a call, see if they got anything going on. And then you take any job over at that television station. And then you're close. If you watch any of the movies or TV shows about how people got to be anchors, they didn't start as anchors. That's my answer. Great answer. I always use the example of Mrs. Doubtfire. If you've ever seen that movie, Robin Williams, and guess how he gets on to have his own show? He actually starts off in the shipping department, shipping boxes. And so guess what? He talks to Mr. Lundy and they form a relationship and uh, he shows off some of his comedy by doing the animal stuff. And he's now in the movie was now had his own show of Mrs. Doubtfire. So uh, pretty, pretty neat. Great advice. Art, we really appreciate you coming on. We know you're busy. You got your podcast going on, your writing and things like that. Thanks for giving back to my audience. We appreciated it. You got a lot of good feedback. And thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. You too.